We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined by, uh, I don't have the piano music ready for, for you, Kyle. Kyle Porter, back from Augusta National. He did not play the course like he did last year. <laughs> he did hang out at Augusta, which is better than most of us, Kyle. So better than most. How better was than it? most. Uh, it's always spectacular. I, I mean, it always delivers. Um the weekend was kind of weird. I said this on my CBS podcast. The whole thing never really like clicked into place for me. Like the ending sort of left you like, uh, isn't there another? Isn't there another round? Like, don't we have? Isn't there still <laughs> golf left to be played? I wanted one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean the whole the whole thing is it. It, it doesn't feel like any other sporting event you go to, golf tournaments included, which I think is is really cool and is and is one of the things that they've marketed really well and, and done really well. And, and so just to get to do things like sit up by the clubhouse and eat lunch under the, the uh, umbrella tables and, and go in the locker room and, and see what's going on there and um, obviously walk the course, it's, it's a – it's a very unique and and uh, really joyful and fun experience that uh, that I definitely am grateful for and and don't uh, I don't know I don't I don't take it for granted every, every year that I go I'm I'm really glad for it and and it's always fun. Well, I want to talk about the tournament and Ricky and and Patrick Reed and everything, but I I do want you to just explain uh, what a typical day is like for you. Do you get to get Do you get to walk? In, between the ropes how do you avoid like these massive galleries that i guess heard it's it's tough to find a spot a lot of holes i mean just what's a typical day like when you're covering it well the way you avoid the massive galleries is you follow patrick reed around the master's champ (laughs) (laughs) not a lot of augusta state fans walking around yeah so so first two days are different than last two so first two rounds obviously everybody's playing and you've got just so many different storylines because you obviously don't know who's going to win. And so uh, the first day I went front nine with tiger. So you don't masters is the only tournament that I go to where I don't get to walk uh, in between the ropes. So I get there, get to the course at uh, seven or eight, seven thirty, something like that. I, I go watch the ceremonial tee shot from Gary player and Jack Nicholas. And there's a ton of people up there. You can't see anything, but it's still kind of cool <laughs> to be up there. Um, so first day, we're like, okay, Tiger's obviously a storyline. So I went front nine with Tiger just to kind of get a feel for um, what people were saying about him and, and feeling about him and how he was playing and how he looked and all those types of things. There, there are spots on the course, even though you're not inside the ropes, that you can see things pretty well. Uh, and you kind of, if you've gone enough times, you know where to go and where to be at certain times and, and all that stuff. Uh, so I go front nine with Tiger, come in for a few hours, eat, run the live blog, type up a few notes on Tiger, and then I went back nine with Spieth and who was Spieth playing with first couple of rounds? I don't remember. But his group and Rory's group were right next to each other, so I kind of balanced between those two uh, on the back nine, and I, I got to see Spieth 66 on Friday, which was insane. Uh, <laughs> or, on, uh, excuse me, on Thursday. Um, so, yeah, you, you it, first two days are weird. And then last two, you kind of know, like, what the stories are. And so I'll go with one of the last couple groups and just follow them around the course. It it is really hard to see, but in a lot of ways, seeing like what happens is the least important part to me. I want to feel what's going on. I want to hear what's going on. 
and I want to watch uh, player reaction. I don't care. I I'll, I know if the ball goes in the hole based on what the fan reaction is. I want to see like how does a player react to a shot or a putt or whatever. So that's the part for me that's that's uh, maybe more interesting than some. Okay, so it was it's per, it's really easy once you get to Sunday because then you just follow the final group. That that makes it pretty simple. Um, yeah. I, it, that that stuff fascinates me because I, I really want to go and I've read a lot about the experience of going and it, it seems to me like the idea of going is probably better than the actual viewing experience. <laughs> Getting all the gear is probably better than the actual like golf. I, I would feel like, but uh, I'm just interested to see how it how you, how it is covering it. It, it depends. There are certainly moments like if you go set your chairs up on 16 on Sunday and you, you see Spieth roll birdie in, you're like, he's going to shoot a 62. Like that's a, that's a pretty cool moment. Like you can't, yeah. you can get it on TV, but it, it's, it's, a, I would, I would argue that the feel of being at the masters is the most different uh, from TV than any other sporting event that I've been to. If that okay. makes sense. Yeah. Well, that, that's even more enticing. Yeah. Um, obviously, we got to talk about Ricky. I mean, you you picked him to win. You didn't budge from that pick. I tried to, I tried to urge you to step away from that ledge. I thought that was a bad pick. I thought even if Ricky <laughs> shot, even if Ricky shot well the first two rounds, I fully expected like a seventy six on either Saturday or Sunday. But I was wrong. He was, he was incredible. I think I, I don't have this confirmed, but. My dad said it was a stat, so it has to be true. He, he's big on Twitter now. He just searches Twitter all the time. <laughs> he said that it was the lowest weekend score, second lowest weekend score ever behind, I think, Johnny Miller or somebody at Augusta. Maybe it was just lowest in a major on a weekend. Maybe that was the stat. But I, anyway, he shot 65-67. Yeah, I mean, 1,200 at Augusta on the weekend. I, I would imagine it's it's right there. Because, I mean, the best – I mean, the lowest score – total for four days is Spieth at 18. So if you're looking at just a two round stretch, yeah, it's up there. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And, you know, I, I feel like that's a place where it, it, uh, he just, he just plays pretty well there. No matter how he's going in, he's now got, I think four top 12s in the last five years. And I do think that the way that Ricky played on the weekend changes the way that I think about him a little bit. I mean, you can't – I don't want to overreact to, like, two, one round or two rounds, but you start adding all these things up, and, and, and the way you think about guys changes by a degree or by two degrees and slowly over time. But to go shoot 65-67 with a, with a chance to win the Masters on the weekend, that's a big deal, and, and he hadn't really done that before. We've talked about it a lot. All of his close calls have kind of been – well, there's a guy out in front or he kind of backdoored or whatever. This was a, this was real. Like that was a real second place finish. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I feel like, I feel like it affects the way that I think about him going forward. Well, he was what five shots back to start the day. There is a little bit of the, he was kind of out of it, but not really. But I will say this had his, had his back nine, been on the front nine had they reversed the nine holes then i would be i would not be nearly as encouraged because that that birdie on 18 was big time it, it wasn't to win the tournament or tie the tournament but it's about as close as you possibly can be for it to be that because you don't know how reed's going to finish his last two holes or last hole so that was a as pressure packed of a putt as it gets and he, he he hit it dead center it was as pure as a putt could be 
So I was really he birdied six of his last eleven holes, I believe. Yeah. That to me is 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 next level stuff. You know, he has top fives. I'm trying to look up how many top how many top fives at majors does he have? He's one, I think eight, two, seven. Yeah, he's got eight, which is I think it's two or three behind the all time record without a major behind Lee Westwood, who I think had ten or eleven. Uh, so he's he's already widely considered one of the best players uh, to not win a major, but th- he still has a lot of critics. Kyle, like uh, Big Randy on the on the no laying up went in on him uh, all week. Uh, there's this this notion that he's just all flair, all commercial, and and not really that good. And I will say there is one criticism of him that I think he needs to he really needs to start cutting into is wins. He only has four wins. Patrick Reed has six. Yeah. And Patrick Reed's younger than Ricky. Um, it is a fair criticism that Ricky doesn't win enough. He only has four tour wins. Um, so, I mean, I thought he really turned some heads, but really the, the more he doesn't win a major, which is kind of unfair, they're really hard to win, uh, the more the criticism will come. I understand the criticism. He is, uh, if not the most decorated uh, player in terms of sponsorships than, than one of the most. And he's not like he doesn't add up, right? I mean, yeah, he might be—he might be the most actually. <laughs> he probably is the most. He's I, probably, I mean, more than guys like Rory and Spieth and Justin Thomas, who are who are just better players than him, or, or more accomplished than him. Certainly. And and so there is like this weird—it's—it's it's odd. And I think that I think that that's a—it's not a criticism really, like. I'm not going to criticize a guy for like going and getting money, you know, for like, here, we'll give you a bunch of money to sponsor our, like, of course I would do that too. Like, that's not, it's not a criticism of him. It's, it's sort of a realistic look at the situation. And here's the thing with Ricky. I think that his trajectory as a pro golfer and as a major championship winner eventually is pretty normal. Like you win some, you know, if you're a talented player, you win some in your 20s, you get better and better and better, and then you start to win majors in your late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s. Like that's a very that's a that's what Phil Mickelson did. Now Phil won a ton more, so that's a that's probably a bad example, but uh, it's the the learning curve on the PGA Tour is really steep, and it takes a really long time to figure that stuff out. The, he, Ricky's problem is that he hangs out with guys that are multiple time major winners that he's friends with like Spieth and JT and, and those guys. And so we sort of lump him in with their trajectories. And by comparison, he, do, he doesn't look as good, obviously, because Spieth is an all, is going to be a hall of famer and Justin Thomas probably is as well. But if you're just looking at like the PGA tour as a whole, his trajectory is very normal and very, it's fine for, for what I think is a, is a really good player on the PGA tour. Yeah, I looked up Phil. You know, everyone wants to bring him up because he didn't win a major till he was 33, which Ricky's 29. He also but had Phil, like Phil had 22 wins, wins at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he had won, you know, four times the amount of turn, five times the amount of tournaments that, that Ricky had. So yeah, that's he needs to start winning more regularly on the tour. I think for people to kind of lay off a little bit on the, you know, because I mean, honestly, to finish that many top fives at majors, that's not like choking or whatever that's that's just being a really good major uh player and yeah. I, and you and i have always contended he 
Like, I, look out for Carnoustie. I think he might win the British this year. You and I have always kind of contended that that suits him best. I know he said Shinnecock Hills is one of his favorite tournaments, which is where the U.S. Open is. But I just got the feeling he's going to win a British before any of the other majors. Yeah. Or do you think I, he's going to win Augusta first? I, I, I no, I, I've always said an Open. Um, but who knows? I mean, it, I don't know. The thing, the thing with who would have expected that, Reed to win a Masters though? Right? Exactly, so. exactly. Uh, the thing with Ricky that is it, it sort of points to a U.S. Open is that his temperament. So last year's U.S. Open was weird because it was sixteen under won it, but his temperament is so suited for a U.S. Open. He doesn't get too high, he doesn't get too low, and sometimes I think that works against him. Like I, I, I think that there there are moments in a tournament where you need to get going like you need some giddy up like to to get it cranking and he just doesn't he just doesn't do that that's not him but I think that for a a U.S. Open or even an Open Championship like that temperament will serve him well and does serve him well it's why we've seen him contend at so many of those types of tournaments I think so um, maybe that sort of temperament um, costs him a tournament over the course a major over the course of his career but I think it also might uh, it might win him a, a major over the course of his career, just because he doesn't get too far out of his world, to quote to quote Gundy, and uh, just kind of stays uh, right in the middle and and keeps doing his thing. Tell me if you like this wager. I'm in a I'm in a OU group text. It's like my fantasy football league. So one of the guys was going in on Ricky, uh, called it a backdoor second, and uh, we had like I a mean, little. Dr- it, it wasn't. Uh, I don't know it. It wasn't well, really. He's being he's being totally preposterous. I I agree, <laughs> but but he uh, you know we did like a master's draft. We drafted like four players, and he he took Patrick Cantlay, and I said something like, I basically railed on Cantlay. I was like, well, uh, he he said basically he would have a worse career than, uh, oh I I can't remember who he said. I go no, that would be Patrick Cantlay who you picked in our draft, and so now we have a wager uh, by, <laughs> by by twenty twenty three. Who do you think has more tour wins starting right now, uh, Ricky Fowler or Patrick Cantlay? Which I know like, you're high on Cantlay, so like I might be started, asking the wrong guy. <laughs> like from this moment on, uh, yeah, more tour so just, wins. Just going forward, just forward wins. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, got to be Ricky. I mean, he's way more accomplished than Patrick Cantlay. Cantlay is good. You you putt better than he does. Cantlay? No, he's yes. he, he's a he's a good player. Uh, re, good he was player. he like him and Ricky had he, he was probably even more accomplished than Ricky as a junior. I, I'm big on pedigrees. Ricky had a good pedigree. Cantlay had a great pedigree. Uh, I think they were both number number one amateur in the world at one point. Uh, I'd probably go Ricky just because of the. Uh, just just what I said earlier about like he's he's eight or nine years into this now and that you know that's when you start that's when it starts to like become a little easier uh, easier is the wrong word but just it, it 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 doesn't become as as difficult to to climb the mountain in any given tournament including majors so I I would go Ricky but I think it's going to be closer than most people and especially Oklahoma State fans might think. Okay. Speaking of Oklahoma State, um, should we start calling Patrick Reed Squinky? Patrick Squinky Reed? Because he just destroys hopes and dreams of OSU fans everywhere. I I brought that up yesterday. 2010, Augusta State beats Oklahoma State in the NCAA championships. 2011, he 
absolutely obliterates Peter Ulan's amateur career, beats him, I think he was 7-6 and six at Karsten. Augusta State moves on to beat Georgia in the NCAA championships, and then he wins his first Masters, his first major, over an Oklahoma State guy. That's brutal. It was eight and seven the second time <laughs> that he beat that he beat Uline. Uh, I've become kind of fascinated with Patrick Reed since he's won. You know, I've read a ton. Obviously, there there was a lot of stories about his background, his family, and all that. Which um, I want to talk about that. But first, just. Uh, Shane Ryan wrote a, a really, I guess it was an excerpt from his book that, that Deadspin put up, uh, talking. You know, they go into great details about uh, his amateur career at Augusta when playing against OSU, and there's a great quote in there from Uline. You know, he got he got beat four and two the first time, and then they're on the home course and he beats him eight and seven. And at one point, Uline turns to him and says, "Dude, what what is up with you? Every time I play you, you just you're like a buzzsaw. You cut right through me." Like he literally like birdied six of the first ten holes or something at Carson, yeah. <laughs> just burned yeah. the place down. So uh, I'm I'm fascinated by the guy um, just because he's such an enigma, I guess. And I thought you brought it up on your first first cut podcast, and everybody needs to listen to that if they're into golf. Uh, but I agree with Tron and you that like he does himself such a disservice by not discussing. Uh, what's going on with his family and, and his past because now it's just a one-sided story like we don't know if his parents were abusive to him or mean to him or what happened with that we only hear their side so now he comes across as this this evil son who's embraced his in-laws and shunned his own family for no reason at all you know so it's just a he's a weird guy uh, and one that fascinates me that I, the more I, I read about him yeah and and the point that I brought up there is that because of all this extracurricular stuff, which I agree is super interesting to think about and to talk about what he's actually doing on the course is kind of going overlooked and underrated. I mean, he's, he's 27 years old and he's got six wins and a major. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we, we talk about Justin Thomas being an all time great at the age of 24 and hit, I mean, he's got a few more wins, but he's only got one major. I mean, we should be talking about Reed more, I guess reverentially than we are and yet we're not because of his backstory. So it's, I, I feel kind of bad for him in, in that sense, but I mean, you're, you're right. Like just give us something like remorse or, or just something that feels genuine about something about non golf activities. And I think that when you contrast that with guys like Spieth, and um Rory and and even Fowler to an extent like those guys will talk fairly openly about I mean they're not going to tell you everything about their lives but they they what they say seems genuine and what he says feels like he's saying it because he was supposed to say it or because it's part of the script or whatever and so I I just uh I don't know like the whole thing is bizarre the final round was bizarre. The last, the last hole was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. People reacted like Tiger had just made a par putt on a Friday. I mean, it was un, <laughs> it was unreal the reaction that the Masters champion got. I mean, it was crazy. I heard people were like fleeing the scene, like it was a like a crime scene. They were, yeah. people were just fleeing once he tapped in. <laughs> it was and, and to and to contrast that with the roar. So the two biggest roars all week, or probably three biggest. Rory chip in on eight on Saturday, Spieth putt on 16 on Sunday, and 
these were ones that I was like actually present for. And then, uh, Ricky putt on 18 on Sunday and the Ricky putt people, people knew like all day people were grasping at, at all these guys that were coming home. Like, you know, (laughs) can, can this guy up and read, can this guy, can this guy catch it? We need Ricky to shoot 61. We need speed to shoot 62. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, and Ricky was the last hope because speed was in at 13 and, and Reed was still 15 under and everybody was like, okay, Ricky's it. Like this is it. (laughs) And you could hear, I was on 18 T with Reed and you could hear, and everybody knew, like you knew what had happened. And Reed even said afterwards, he was like, I knew like no offense to John Rom, but that was not a John Rom birdied 18 cheer. That was a Ricky got to 14 under cheer. Yeah. And it it was cool. Like that part of it was awesome. And then the ending was incredibly flat and weird but uh, that whole that whole scene was uh it was pretty wild uh when i was standing there actually i think i said this on the first cut podcast but penny hardaway comes walking by and so you've got you've got uh by the way shout out to hideki matsuyama's orlando magic uh outfit on oh that was hideous (laughs) but so you've got ricky birdie and penny runs by and everybody's penny penny and then uh and then Reed's walking to the 18. There was a lot going on in the last like 10 or 15 minutes, but it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty wild. So people were more behind Penny than Patrick Reed. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, I heard the, the roar for Ricky on 18 was just amazing. Obviously you, you mentioned it, the, the speed roar in 16, was it the loudest you've ever heard Augusta when he made that birdie putt? Uh, it was right up there because of just what was in play. I mean, a 62 on a Sunday. Are you kidding me? And then yeah. he he bogeyed the last to shoot sixty four. But um, yeah, people that love him that that was up there. There's been a couple of tiger roars that I think have probably been louder. Um, but yeah, that was right there. That's kind of my biggest takeaway of the entire weekend is, you know, there's all these young golfers that are all elite. A lot of them have majors already, but Spieth's the guy. Like that's he is, he is trending on the direction of Mount Rushmore. He is trending in like an Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus direction. That's that's how good this guy is. I mean, I, I, I'll never know what happened on, was it was it Friday that he bl- kind of blew up and, and was out of contention? Or was it Saturday? Yeah. I can't. Yeah, Friday. I'll never really know what happened there because he, does, he doesn't shoot bad scores. I guess he'll shoot like around even pars, like a bad day for him when everyone was going low on Friday too. Uh, so I don't know what happened there, but that's kind of my biggest takeaway. This guy is, he's the man. Like, he's the new tiger, so to speak, in, in his own in his own way. He's not the same player, but just the level of dominance this guy's going to have is going to be incredible. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's weird that he, it feels, doesn't it feel like he has, he's won like four masters? Yes, because he's been, what, top five and four of the five? Yeah, and he's won one. And I think that that shines such a light on it's so hard to win the Masters. It's so yeah. hard. It's so hard to win majors. I mean, it, it, it honestly, like, if I did, like, I almost have to think about, like, if somebody said, how many, how many Masters has Spieth won? Like, I have to think about the answer to that question because it feels like he has more than one. It feels like he has two or three. And it's just, it's, it's incredible what he is able to do at that place and generally in golf. I mean, he, like you said, his, 
his trajectory is as an all-timer. I don't know that um, – I think his like body type and swing are set up to play into his mid-40s in a way that somebody like Justin Thomas or Rory is not. Yeah. And so I, th- I think that that will hist- – I think that will be- behoove him historically. And I think that there's a real chance that Jordan Spieth could end his career with 40 or 45 wins and, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten major championships. To that point, doesn't it feel like Tiger has more than four Masters wins? Yeah. Feels like he has yeah. like seven. I know. <laughs> but he was just in the top five every year, so very, very similar. Uh, do you want to explain what happened to Rory on Sunday? It was all it was all set up. I loved the mind games he was playing with Patrick Reed. I bought into it. You bought into it. And then he comes out and plays like... Um, like Rory uh, Sabatini. Like Rory's <laughs> great. That's that's who I was looking for. Like, can you explain what happened? He just didn't have it. I mean, he did. If you and and I, so this is I explained this a little bit on the first cut podcast. This is sort of what happened to Ricky last year, and I th- I I didn't think it would happen to Rory. So the first three days, his approach shots, like his strokes gained on approach shots, was very average, like like field average, like, and for him, that's not very good. And he just held it together by chipping in, by putting well. And then if that disappears on Sunday, then you're like, you're screwed. Like you get exposed and he got exposed on Sunday. And that's the same exact thing. I thought last year, Ricky playing from the second to last group was going to win. And he just got completely exposed because he was not hitting it very well at the time. And, you know, for those guys, like not hitting it well means (laughs) – they're still hitting it well. They're just not hitting it as well as they normally do. Ricky and Rory are both really good ball strikers. And Ricky last year, Rory this year, they just – if you stop making putts and holding your – I mean, Rory was holding it together by hitting 12-footers all week. And then if you don't do that, all of a sudden you can shoot a 74 pretty easily. And, and that's what happened. And, you know, for him, like, I, I think it's the most compelling sort of sub story in golf is will Rory ever win the masters because so much revolves around it all year. And, um, you know, I, I've, I wrote this, I said it, I've tweeted it. You only get, you only get so many shots, you know, and somebody of his caliber probably gets like five, you know, somebody like an Ernie Els or a, or a Phil or whoever, like that's sort of the class that he's in. And those guys have gotten, uh, Phil's probably gotten a few more. Ernie's probably gotten a few less, but somewhere around three, four, five, six chances. And he's already used up two of them, 2011, 2018. And you only get a couple more. So it's going to be, I think, fascinating to see if he can ever, ever conquer that place and, and win the slam. Well, I have a surprising Rory take. I'm, I'm not going to gloat that he, blew up Sunday and Patrick Reed basically ran with the American flag down the 18th fairway. <laughs> um, but I, I will say like the first, like I thought he was going to win it. Like I, I, I thought he was going to win and I thought the first two rounds, three rounds, whatever it was, was more of the, the person and player that, that you've been telling me exists. I, I hadn't seen it in a few years. I think with the Arnold Palmer performance, uh, and then this Masters that, that Honestly, Kyle, wasn't that the first time he's broken 70 in the first two rounds of the Masters? Like He never plays well the first two rounds. Since 2011, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess he was the final group on Sunday at 2011. But 
just he he's playing more like the player that you portray that this 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 generational talent. I, I thought that guy was kind of gone because he hadn't really won much since 2014. Obviously, the Arnold Palmer notwithstanding. So, but that I thought that was encouraging for the for the Rory camp, if not the um, one of the more disappointing rounds of his career when when you when you examine the stakes. Yeah. I know he was three down, but it felt like if he makes that putt on two, like the the lead's they're already, tied. yeah, they're, the lead's gone. And then yeah. mentally, that is such a different uh, tournament. Um, yeah, I I think I think what's been encouraging this year for the Rory Camp is like he's seen if you if you like followed him and listened to him last year, he just seemed kind of out of it. I mean, obviously physically he was injured, but he just seemed sort of like. Uh, I mean, we all just get tired of our jobs. Like we forget that this is these guys' job, you know. And I think that there was a three or four month break that he took, uh, or there was a three or four month break that he took over the winter, and he just seems rejuvenated to play golf again. And he's talked about like this ten, this the next ten years. So he, he put away the first ten years. You got four majors, fifteen wins, whatever it is, thirteen wins. I don't remember. And then what are you going to do for the next 10 years? And, and I think that him putting him the very first major since that sort of sabbatical, you put yourself in the final pairing to win a Masters. I think that's a very encouraging sign for him going forward that the next 10 years are maybe they won't be as accomplished or as good because maybe golf's deeper than when he was 23 or 24. But I do think that it has a chance to be somewhat close. And if it's somewhat close, then all of a sudden – uh, maybe you've got six, seven, eight majors, and and you're going to be a, a surefire Hall of Famer. Yeah, let's hope you don't queue up the uh, 2018 Masters on YouTube final round broadcast like 10 years from now. and wonder what if. Yeah, because I I actually, I actually watched a little bit of the '96 one when Greg Norman was up like six strokes and Faldo wasn't just kicking his tail in the final group. I couldn't finish. I had to turn off. I had to turn away. I had to go watch something else because it was too sad watching Norman just just fall apart. Well, think about if if Rory would have been up three going into the final round and got caught by Reed and lost Patrick, in the playoff. Does Patrick Reed like own Rory now? Like like that's gonna be <laughs> like I'm I'm talking like Ryder Cup. Like that, he's beaten Rory now in two just monumental occasions, monumental matches. Because let's let's be honest here. I know Reed was up three, but. For all intents and purposes, that was a match play event, and he won by what? Four shots, three shots. Uh, well, he ended up winning overall by six. By six. Yeah, right, but he won three on the day. But yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. Reed owns all my corners, my Rory corner, my Oklahoma State corner. It's not good. Well, what can we do to like bring him on our side karmically? I guess just <laughs> Ryder Cups, all we got. He is going to scale the Eiffel Tower in September after. <laughs> After going five zero and zero in the in the Ryder Cup, well, he has literally become the best. Ma- you can make an argument already that he's the best match play play match play pl- player ever. When you when you discuss his NCAA record, six and zero in the most yeah. high pressure golf you can have, ever play in college, and then he's six one and two in the Ryder Cup. About to make it ten one and two this next Ryder Cup. I mean, he's he's. Ian Poulter, if Ian Poulter was good at stroke play. (laughs) 
Yeah, where, where Poulter literally just turned into a maniac and made every single putt. That's basically, yeah, what Reed does. But, I mean, we, we talked about – I think we talked about Reed on here because we were discussing your, your teams for your, your uh, Masters fantasy deal. Yeah. His history at Augusta was terrible. He had, oh, I know. He, he missed he had, the cut last year. He had more rounds at 75 or more – or, excuse me, 75 or over than he had appearances at the tournament. Yeah. I mean, no, it was, I, had a, I had a friend like uh, in a different pool, like ridicule me because I was near the bottom <laughs> and he had Patrick Reed. And I was like, oh, nice pick. Like, yeah, that's that the guy I mean, missed that, the cut last year. Great pick. And he was like bragging about his Patrick Reed pick. It's like, well, if, if you're going to brag about that pick, just have at it because it was a terrible pick coming in. It was a bad yeah, pick, even if he wins an, the tournament. That's actually my Mike Boynton take, by the way, about like. <laughs> It's, you know it's true. Saying? You can't. It was a bad pick that panned out, is what Patrick Reed was. Yeah, guy, guy yeah. never plays well there. Missed the cut the year before. Uh, just goes all over me. Well, how, did you? Uh, well, I, we should toast, and then I want to hear about your fantasy team. Um, it's time for the Coupel Works Toast of the Week. Coupel Works, bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale. Or the refreshing horny toad blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold coupe works and please remember to drink responsibly. I had a uh, spare rib pale ale last night, which was which was tasty. Did you see our championship match, by the way? Yeah, kind of an upset, right? I mean, uh, elevator wheat taking on was it the uh, horny toad? Yeah. Are you surprised by that? I'm very surprised the horny toad made it. Uh, I'm not I am surprised too. that all the evader made it, but. I thought uh, Vader kind of took out their half of the bracket. He took out Saturday Siren and and uh, what else did it take? I can't remember who else it beat, but I like that side of the bracket. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to see where uh, how they're stacking up right now. Let's see here. Oh, uh, Vader is uh, forty. Wow, Horny Tone's gonna win fifty-seven percent to forty-three percent. People like blondes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, beer, that is. <laughs> uh, okay, who are you toasting this week, Carson? Uh, well, I'll let you toast Ricky, uh, if that's who you're toasting. Yeah, uh, I'm going to... Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to I'm gonna toast uh, Alan Bratton and the OSU golf team. Uh, they're, they're about to get the documentary treatment, like the 24-7 like Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor treatment from uh, Golf Channel and Ricky Fowler. They're, they're going to chronicle the team. As they get ready to host the NCAA championship, you know we've—it's crazy, Kyle. Do you, I, I don't think in the moment uh, Patrick Reed and, and Peter Uline realized like their careers would be pointed to that match for for like we still talk about it today. But that's exactly kind of what these these NCAA championships become because you examine these guys once they become pros, you reference their college careers. So I want to toast these guys because. They're going to feel a lot of pressure. Not only have you won seven of eight tournaments, you're the prohibitive favorite, but you're playing on your home course. And I think there's a lot of pressure that goes with that too. So I want to, I want to toast a, um, a Saturday siren to uh, the OSU golf team and Alan Bratton. Yeah, that's good. I, I actually I talked to Bratton about the pressure that comes with playing for an NCAA title on your home course, and he actually made the point that they could be there's a regional i guess i think he said in norman it might have been in oklahoma city so they could essentially not leave the state of oklahoma for big 12 championships uh regionals and ncaa's and sweep those and and win it all which would be crazy um 
But yeah, it is, it is tough. It, I mean, there's just so much there's so much pressure, and anything can happen once you get to match play. I was talking to somebody about that at the Masters. They're like, it's so ironic that Mike Holder made the biggest push for this match play thing at the NCAAs, and then it's probably cost Oklahoma State multiple NCAA championships. At least you know, two. With, with the Peter Uline team, uh, you know, with, with uh, Kevin Tway and those guys, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 pretty interesting, but um, yeah, I'm gonna toast Ricky. Uh, he was my pick. I got made fun of by all my golf friends. Uh, <laughs> that might it, it might be like the Patrick Reed thing where it wasn't a great pick, but I I do feel like there was some real evidence there that in the same way that it clicks for Jordan Spieth at Augusta, that the same on a much smaller scale could be said of Ricky Fowler at Augusta. He's played really, really well there over the last five years. And uh, I think those two guys are going to be looked at as um, two of the prohibitive favorites go. I mean, if you're, if your favorite going into the next 10 masters, isn't Jordan Spieth, I don't know what you're doing, but I think Fowler should be right there among the, the top three or four or five for the next, for the next few, just based on the way he plays at Augusta. Augusta is so different than all these other places these guys play. And so I think the his, your history there matters more than it does at a place like a U.S. Open or an Open Championship. Like what you've done at that course, it's it's a completely different environment. I say that Patrick Reed uh, can't make the cut there, and then he goes and wins a master. So maybe I'm wrong about that. But uh, Fowler's played well there. He had a great week, and uh, I will toast – I'll toast an Oktoberfest, an orange and black Oktoberfest to Ricky Fowler for his uh, second place finish at Augusta. Is Ricky working on the Whirly Bird cut, the helicopter cut that Reed was so hitting? so disgusting. It's so gross. Won in the tournament. He hit a cut. I know. I know. He's known, he's known to play a, a draw. So, How badly would you miss that last fairway if you knew you had to hit it to win the Masters? I would injure a patron that was six feet right. I, I might miss the ball, honestly. Yeah. Oh, the putt? I think I meant the drive on 18. Uh, no, I, I was talking about the drive. I might miss the ball. <laughs> oh, yeah. You might hit it like Rory did on one? Yes. What was that? That Golly. was not good. So your national guy was railing on Holder, too? National golf? Was this a national golf person or an OSU golf person? Uh, national. Switching the format. Yeah, national. Was oh, just it's, talking. Good. it's good to know real news travels. Yeah, I was just talking. I mean, this guy's pretty deep into the college college golf scene but he was just talking about how basically mike mcgraw got fired because i mean this is not actually true but he was connecting the dots of mike mcgraw got fired because holder changed the format or helped change the format basically i mean it cost them two national titles in 2010 2011 they won the stroke play both times uh i think that's right i don't know if they won it the first time they definitely won it the second time and the number one seed has never won the match play at the golf. I'm torn on it because the match play is better for television. I was riveted last year watching OU and Oregon and OSU all, all make deep runs. Uh, the match play is so conducive to television, but I don't think it really crowns the true champion because the number one seed hasn't won it. I don't think they've really been all that close necessarily over the last several years. So it's kind of a, a fluky way to win a national title. So, and I, I agree. Like the, you know, we, we've been critical of Mike uh, Mike McGraw, of Mike Holder for a lot of things. I think one of the things he needs to be most criticized for is firing Mike McGraw. Like I know he has these 
crazy high expectations for his golf program, and he should. But Mike McGraw was a, a great man, recruited all those studs, was doing a really good job, but his players lost match play, which Alan Bratton did the exact same thing. So is he ready to, is he ready to fire Alan Bratton? I doubt it. So I, I hate that for Mike McGraw, who was a super nice guy, and every, everyone loves the dude. So that was just a bizarre occurrence just as a whole. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on from golf. But first, I want to – somebody just tweeted this out. Imagine, imagine these pairings for Ryder Cup Sunday. You want to you hear some of these? Oh, yes. <clears throat> so we lead off with uh, – this is just based on who would make the team right now. Reed and Rory. Yes. Spieth and Stinson. Oof. Fowler and Rose. Oh, man. Finau and Kate Paul Casey. Oh, my. Phil and Sergio. Oh, my goodness. Justin Thomas, Tommy Fleetwood. <laughs> DJ and Rom. Oh, my gosh. Kepka and Norin. Shout out Oklahoma State Golf. And then the, I didn't read all of them, but we're going to end it with Tiger and Poulter. Oh, my God. Is Poulter really going to make it now? Yeah, he's going to make it. Oh, my God. That, that <laughs> magic putter he brought out. I got him on the Ryder Cup. <laughs> he's going to make, you, like, 30 footers and scream at us. Would you be interested in, in any of those? Oh, my. I love those pairings, too, because all the guys are kind of similar. You know, I yeah. love the Sergio Phil. Fowler That's Rose. fantastic. DJ Rom is fantastic. Fowler Rose. Yeah, the whole thing makes total sense. Yeah. They have to pair Rory and Reed. How does that work? It's not random, right? The coaches just pick who they go up against? Uh, they submit. Lusty. It is random because they submit their lineups separately. So we don't, we're not guaranteed of Rory versus Reed. But, I mean, there's talk that, like, hey, wink, wink behind the scenes. Like, let's give them Rory Reed, you know, to lead it off or whatever. My only question is, or this isn't a question, this is a statement. Patrick Reed will wear his green jacket to the first tee. If he's playing Rory, <laughs> he'll have he'll have Spieth like decloak him on the first tee, <laughs> and then he'll tee off three fifty down the pipe and and stare at Rory. I can't wait. And I thought that was another great point by Shane Ryan in that like Patrick Reed's like this necessary evil. He like he like wins our country golf events, but when he's like on the tour, nobody likes him. But he's yeah. like he's Captain America, but. Only like one month out of the, every two years or whatever. Yep, totally. Um, okay, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit. Let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit. Your one-stop shop on your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Carson, I want to get your thoughts real quick on this. Is the last thing we'll we'll say about golf, but uh, Ricky's Sunday attire. Thumbs up, thumbs down, two thumbs up, two thumbs down. What'd you think? Uh, well, I played with Ricky that Sunday. Uh, I played with Matt Amillion, and he shows up in an orange hat, a white oh pullover, gosh. and orange pants. We were playing like a, a big, uh, like there was like three groups of four. We were playing like a handicap tournament, essentially. And so we walk into the clubhouse after we're done playing, and Ricky's on TV, and a million is dressed exactly like him like, to a <laughs> and I was like hey Matt you got your Ricky starter kit on come look at this <laughs> uh, so no I, I thought it was a good look I like when the orange is an accent and it, it was an accent totally the pants the hat 
with the white with the white uh, pullover was perfect. Um, I thought that's that's a great Sunday look for him. You know that you don't want to go full traffic cone all orange. Uh, and I, I will say, Kyle, I, I really enjoyed Rory's pop collar. You know, he's a he's a Manchester United fan, and you don't know this, but one of their legends is a guy named Eric Cantona, and he was known to pop his collar. So it looked like it gave Rory magical powers on Saturday. I was, I really liked the pop collar look that he had going because it was totally a unique thing to Rory. Yeah, it felt like an alpha move on Saturday. Yeah, I just. <laughs> We don't know what happened. Like the, the pop collar just didn't. And he also wouldn't take the polo rocks. He refused to be wearing the same color as Patrick Reed. I love yeah, that. I respected that. It, it would have been, it could have been 95 degrees and he would have been in the polo. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess this goes into uni. Like what is Nike doing? Like making mm. everyone wear the same color first off and then making everyone wear pink on Sunday. I know it's a Zalia color, but not, it's not good. And I, I why didn't Patty Reed just wear red and say, you know what, guys? I'm playing for a major and I'm superstitious. Breach of contract. Really? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm oh. just saying that. Uh, real quick before I forget, you mentioned Nike, guys. Tony Finau's ankle, how'd you feel about that? <sighs> I'm still not over it. Oh, uh, my I, I, I watched it. I watched it live. I was watching the Par 3 live. And I thought his shoe just came off. And my dad texted me and said, your, your guy who is on every team of yours, like known to man, every pool team, every DraftKings team, I had Finau everywhere. He's like, your guy just dislocated his ankles. Like, what? So I, re- I, I rewinded it. And he just casually kind of places his ankle back in place. I'm like, well, that's it. He's not playing this weekend. I took him off every team, and he shoots like three under the first round and makes a top ten. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's the man. I hope he's in uh, Paris. See the picture of it? Of yeah, it was it was grotesque. I was out there and we were watching um we were out there for for Jack Nicholas's grandson making the ace on the par 3, which was incredible. All-time moment. Oh my gosh. And I got to interview Jack and it yeah, it was it was unbelievable. But um we saw Finau and he had his pants up by his knee, like up his calf. And the guy I was with, uh, Sean Martin of PGATour.com, was like, what is he doing? Like, is this a, is this a fashion statement? Like, what is going on? <laughs> because we, we had heard the ace, but we didn't know anything else that happened. And then they cart him off afterwards, and we're like, holy crap. For him to shoot 68 on Thursday was a joke. I mean, that, that, was, that was improbably good. And, uh, yeah, big, I'm a big Tony Finau guy. But back to uh, uni stuff. Uh, Fowler's Sunday stuff or Sunday gear was good. I, I, the oranges don't match the hat and the pants. No, you're right. I forgot about that. He had like Tennessee and, pants with like an OSU hat, or maybe it was yeah, vice versa. It's, no, you're right. That's how. That's what it was. And it, we need to we need to get that straightened out. I mean, yeah, he's all, got Tron all, Carter calling him a Tennessee assistant coach. You got to get the orange right. <laughs> that was can't hilarious. be wearing a Tennessee orange, citrus no, orange. Butch Davis. Uh, yeah, <laughs> or Butch Jones, whoever. Butch Jones, yeah, yeah. But like now, here, like one more, like not, Tony Finau didn't wear the pink. How come Tony? Fien- He's a Nike guy. Why didn't he have to wear the stupid pink polo? Did he not? I thought no. He, did. he wore white. Maybe he has a certain level of contract where he just kind of wears their stuff. Because obviously Tiger, he doesn't have to. He wears red, obviously. But um, Finau didn't wear it, and Jason Day didn't wear it. Didn't wear the pink. Hmm. 
So yeah, I need to. I, I need to. I didn't like anything Nike did on the weekend. I didn't like any of their stuff. The the rope hat I'm out on. The yeah, paint. not the flower shoes and hat. Not flower great. Sho- uh, yeah, nah. I wasn't a big fan of any of it. Yeah, Under Armour baby. Um, these look pretty good. I will say, I might get yeah. a Under Armour polo or something. <laughs> not really. I'm just the, the, t- the tides have turned. Okay, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. And then we'll come back and wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. Uh, what else are uh, you looking forward to about this? Uh, basketball signing period has started. Time for, time for Boyne to do some work. He's got some open spots, huh? Yeah, he's got like, what, five spots? Yeah. Um, I'm reading more on PFB more and more about 2019 recruits, 2020. I'm a little more worried about 2018. They, they need to kind of fill a team out now that all these guys have left. Well, it, it's, uh, I'm sure he's working on it, but it's, I'm getting a little antsy over here. It seems like once a day you'll see a tweet from like Jeff Goodman or Jeff Borzello or whoever – <laughs> and it's like uh, so-and-so is transferring and considering uh, Seton Hall, uh, Charlotte, uh, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State. Like Oklahoma State's always like a team that's in there. And it's like how many people are considering Oklahoma State? I well, mean, it makes you, Yeah, it makes you wonder like are they just casting this giant net and hoping to land, you know, three or four guys regardless of fit and scheme and everything else? That's certainly what it seems like because you're right. Every single day – I see these transfer tweets, and OSU is almost always mentioned <laughs> across the board. Yeah, and and I, I'm curious if this is um, – like, to me, it seems like Boynton would rather get high school studs than transfers. I mean, probably anyone would. But it seems like this sort of stopgap between the Brad Underwood era, short-lived as it was, and – the way that he wants to recruit in the future. I think it's, it's just, it's very hard to get established with recruiting right away. Right. Like in the first year, even two years. So Mm -hmm. it seems like the transfer thing. And and I think you're right. Like he's, he's almost recruiting high school wise more towards 19 and 20 and just trying to somehow eke out 20 wins a year for the first couple of years before he can really get it cranking. I, I don't know if that's his actual strategy, but from an outsider looking in, that seems like what his strategy is. Gundy reference. Uh, Gundyism. Uh, it, it is cool that there's a bedlam battle for my dad, Mike Cunningham. He's Mike Cunningham. Down to, he's down to OU, OSU, and uh, Louisville, I think. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be weird. Like the Chris Carson thing, when, he, when you would just reference him as Carson on your website, <laughs> always tripped me out. <laughs> now I'm going to have Cunningham and my dad's full name well, ev- everywhere. The- Throw the Boone twins in there, and we're we're all screwed. There we go. They just need a porter. There's a Kyle <laughs> Porter running back at Texas, I guess. I know it's it's. Uh, I showed up to the Texas game, and uh, one of the media relations guys for Oklahoma State was like, "I thought you were, I thought you were uh, like questionable for the game. I thought you were out." And I was like, "Well, I, 
I healed myself. We're good to yeah. go. I'm good. I'm not playing. So. Um. Okay. Anything else we need to? Uh, to oh mention? yeah. I mean, my my none of my fantasy teams did well at all. It, I thought the Masters was totally flipped. How guys normally perform there versus you know like guys I did not think would play well. Stinson. Bubba. Stinson. St- yeah. Stinson is not good there ever. No, never. And like people picked him and like they think that's a great pick. It's like, well, that's a terrible pick. He just happened to the, this one time he finally played well there. Um, who else finished high up? Uh, obviously, Reed was one that I didn't see coming. Uh, Justin Thomas never really plays all that great there. I guess he gets top 20s, top 30s, but he was up near the leaderboard, so a lot of people had him. Just I thought all the guys I, I faded played well. So it was a, yeah. it was a bad, bad tournament for me, and all the guys I liked a lot. Uh, kind of underperformed. Like Rose did pretty, you know. Rose was Rose. He made top fifteen. Uh, Casey didn't play well really until the the last day. Uh, so no, and my 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 sleeper of all sleeper, Deschambeau, just played awful. So he made the cut, but barely, and didn't do much. So I, it was a bad bad week for me pick wise. But maybe I'll do better at the U.S. Open. Yeah, it, it was it was kind of a weird week, uh, scoring wise. I'm trying to think. There was somebody else that you had in there that didn't. Well, Tiger didn't play well. I uh, thought Peters, was... Peters didn't play well. Yeah. Um, just, just, but yeah, but yeah, I, I really didn't think Bubba would play well because you mentioned it. The, <laughs> the only time he's finished in the top ten is when we, when is when he won the thing twice. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was it was a it was a strange year for for historical. It was for the uneducated people who just look at big names <laughs> and pick them regardless of track records. So uh, all the all did, the noobs did, did well. You didn't have Sergio, did you? I had him on one team. <laughs> so I was basically like, no. Although I, I will say this, Kyle. I contend that if he hadn't won the Masters last year, he wouldn't have kept doing that. He was pissed and trying to prove a point that that pin was in a stupid location and that they mowed down the, the front edge of that green. He's like, you know yeah. what? I'm going to hit at this flag until I run out of balls because this is stupid and I already have a green jacket. So screw you guys <laughs> <laughs> or else he just would have hit it into a safe spot and then just moved on, you know? Yeah. I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I, I was in the media or the press center when that happened and I couldn't believe it. Like he just kept going at it. And the, the noise in the press center was hilarious. Cause like people started to pay attention like incrementally over time as he hit more and more balls in. And by the end, everybody was just wailing, just going crazy. And it was, uh, yeah, I beat, I beat Sergio by eight strokes on the 15th hole. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, one last thing before we go, I need, I need a proper, um, description of a Georgia peach ice cream sandwich. That sounds like the greatest invention of all time. So the the peach ice cream is is self-explanatory and it's it's encompassed it's surrounded by two massive sugar cookies that oh, are shot. that are that are soft and doughy and oh my goodness it's it's one of the great inventions ever food well I'm applying for a credential as we speak <laughs> to I want pimento cheese sandwiches and Georgia peach you can't eat you can't eat the whole thing at once though. Um I have rich. I, yeah. I have to like break it in half and just eat half at a time. Uh I think that's definitely the play there. But then Sounds wasteful to me. So, I know. Sunday night, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Augusta is very concerned about it. Crooked half of a, crooked media. Yeah. Dishonest mainstream media. 
Sunday night they they fed us uh, lobster and crab and I think there was champagne involved. I didn't I didn't partake because I was still grinding on my reed stuff. But it's a pretty uh, it's it's basically the greatest media experience you can ever have. Do they credential Oklahoma City television outlets that are there to sure. cover Ricky? Yeah, I probably. I don't know. I don't know. I don't you even should, know how to. I, I might need to get a link from you and just apply now. Just, you should. You, yeah, you should look into it. Because be awesome. I want to go. Would, but would, I'd be, almost rather go as a patron, but that costs a lot yeah, more money. Yeah, that's true. I, 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 I sat, love to take my dad, you know, but I don't know. I, sat by, behind. Uh, I sat by Steely and, and Andrew Gilman on the way out there. They were there. Oh, yeah, they were there. And uh, I was on their radio show uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, which was fun and fun to get to talk to them in person. So yeah, you should you should just see what happens. Shoot or shoot. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I'll get picked in the media lottery and get to play Augusta. So <laughs> just the, the story has yet to be written for me. All right, Carson. We will be back at it next week. Hopefully, to talk about some uh, recruits that Oklahoma State has landed in basketball and spring uh, spring football too. It's coming Spring up football. Yeah. A lot going on. So we will, uh, we will curtail the golf talk, but, uh, enjoyed it as always. Loved it. Can't wait till the U S open. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. See you.